Hello, welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. And today, Dibble Dabble, Chris. Dibble Dabble. Dibble Do you know what that means? No idea. No idea? It doesn't mean no idea, no. If you, if you go and look it up on a Google, what Dibble Dabble means, you may be unpleasantly surprised. It has a number of rather dirty um, meanings on the Urban Dictionary, but then it also has other meanings like Scottish slang. And today's meaning that we're using is dabbling, dabbler. Oh, okay. You say. So oh, I thought it was dabble. like ibble bibble. Dibble dabble. The dabblers do a little bit of dibbling and a dabbling in other people's lives and such. And today uh, we are talking about dabbling and well some some things have happened of late to a number of people and they've all been traced back to the same thing essentially which is a dabbler dabbling in things they ought not to be meddling in oh oh i know indeed so we're gonna have a little uh, a little think about whether this is such a good idea Hopefully, someone might learn something. Hopefully, multiple people are going to learn something. So, dabbling. What would be the definition, your definition, Chris, for a dabbler in the magical arts? For me, a dabbler would be... Sorry, my my voice isn't quite right yet, but it's to get in there. Um, for me, a dabbler would be someone that never really commits to anything so just moves from one thing to another never really mastering anything i'm gonna google and define dabbler a dabbler one that dabbles one not deeply engaged in or concerned with something also it's called a duck such as a mallard that feeds by dabbling. Okay, so we're talking about the first one, which is one not deeply engaged in or concerned with something. The picker upper and putter down of magical things, I suppose one could say. I think that's what you were getting at, wasn't it? Yeah. So there's dangers with dabbling and some of them may be obvious some of them may not be that obvious i think one of the obvious ones is that if you're throwing yourself into doing something and tinkering with something i.e magic with no real understanding of what you're doing that is kind of like i don't know like we see those people that would take the fuse board cover off or take a wall socket off and then just start tinkering behind and then get an electric shock and die you know, that is kind of like the equivalent. There's danger, danger involved. You're meddling with something you cannot control, you do not understand. Now, in my experience, that is not as dangerous as someone that doesn't think that they're a dabbler but thinks they know a little something. Like we in the trade used to have this uh, saying, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Yeah. I'm presuming you've come across that that phrase as well. So when we have dabblers that seem to, I think, commit to, to a certain extent, a path of magic, they're interested in magic, basically DIYers is what we're talking about. We're talking about the sort, and I'm not talking about necessarily knowledge at this point, say because everyone's got to start somewhere so i'm not talking about beginners i'm talking about the type of person that thinks well i ain't paying that much money to change the boiler that stopped working because they're expensive i'll just do it myself right yeah. i might watch a video on youtube about boilers and stuff but I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I'll go into it, okay? This is what I'm talking about. This is going to be a mentality thing. And it's going to be what I'm hoping that people will learn from this is a really think 
about their own mentality. Now, the problem is, is the dabblers, if they're listening, they're probably not going to be the sort that actually think about this. Um, but there is always hope, I suppose. We should be hopeful. Um, so the mentality of a beginner, most of the time, I see certainly the mercurial lot tend to be, I need to understand every facet of this before I even do anything. The kind of ceremonial magician background of I'll study this for years, I'll read loads of books and I'll collect them thinking and eventually I might actually do something. Armchair magician stereotypically. That's bad. But then what's also bad is kind of just dipping your toe in. Because if you've got some random liquid that you don't know what is, and the am got a label, is this some sort of weirdo test tube type thing, probably don't want to dip your toe in it or drink or anything like that. But the dabbler is such that they have little respect, I think, for magic, you see. That's where I think it is, a healthy respect of something. There is a certain level of awe and to a certain level of fear that gets you by when you have respect for magic, when you have respect for a craft, for a trade, for a thing, a tool, you are respectful of it enough to actually say, oh, wait a minute, I'm gonna treat with this care, I'm gonna treat this with care. And I don't mean like looking after an object, I mean treat it as in care as in take it seriously. Now, that's not to say that you can't have fun with magic or anything like that, because you can take magic seriously and it be fun and have fun and mess about and stuff. But it is about this this idea of, well, I kind of fancy myself as a magical practitioner, so which I kind of like that. I feel drawn to it. And I've read a couple of, you know, mm. books about, I've read a couple of books about magic, you know, that I got from the works, Chris. And I also, I was on the TikTok and I really, 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 I just, my heart goes out to all of those women that got burned, you know, back in the day. And I, I feel like, you know, I owe it to those that have gone before me to take up this practice of magic. You know, we as the witches that you couldn't burn, you know, type thing. And uh, I don't really want to commit to it. So I will take the three books that I bought, one being the Green Witch, the other being some Armini nice shit. And then the third one being whatever has got Cunningham's latest book he's released since dying. And I'll cobble together a practice and I'll look at a spell and I'll do a spell. Okay. Because what I want to do is I want to do some magic. I want to do a spell. But I want to do it when I actually need to do the spell, you see. So rather than actually like a craftsperson would, I think if you were to do something textile related or maybe make stained glass or something like that for the first time, you'd probably practice a little bit. You know, practice the technique. You wouldn't go straight out and get that contract with the cathedral and say, I'll restore that stained glass. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, it's only glass. You wouldn't, you would practice, wouldn't you? You would perfect it and have some kind of idea. Now, it's come to my attention that people are doing some really rather stupid shit, okay? And that stupid shit seems to be interfering with other magical practitioners thinking that they're somehow doing something good, right? So there's a couple of problems that I've got with this, Chris. The first thing is that I think unless you're going out of your way to cause some harm to another mag magical practitioner, i.e., you know, you're wanting to go and fuck someone up, but I, I fully endorse that. I don't have a problem with that. Then if you're not trying to fuck someone up, if you're trying to help, I think it goes without saying that if there's another magic magical practitioner you would approach them and ask. I think that that's probably the best approach because you've got a practitioner that is someone that is practicing magic. Therefore, the chances are if they're wanting magic done, they're probably gonna do it for themselves or they're potentially gonna ask others to get involved and help. What you're probably not gonna do is get off your own back prejudge a situation, think you know what's going on, and go and fix it. Okay. Oh, that person over there, that's a witch. 
I, I, I think I really need to do some sort of healing on them because I'm not quite happy with the way that they've, uh, you know, they've been uh, appearing to me as of late. I mean, I don't really know what's going on. I know I'll just do a healing ritual. Can you see something that might go wrong with that? <laughs> well, I was always told you put your own mask on before you put somebody else's oxygen mask yeah, on. Yeah, sort your own fucking mask out. If the airplane's going down, you put your own mm. oxygen mask on and then you put it on the children and the other people around you. I thought that was just in case the oxygen ran out. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I think it comes from the concept of not being so arrogant that you think that you can fix somebody else without them asking you to. Um, a big one for me is always whenever we discuss, and I know kind of off tangent slightly, but kind of has the same thing, which is you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Um, so from a mental health point of view, you need they need to be in the in the receiving space. Mm -hmm. They need to actually be open to support. And I think the same goes for magical practice, which is if they've not asked for help, then really you shouldn't be trying to dabble with their energetic centers. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> So this is something I think that we should really clarify, okay? If you want to go and cause harm to another using magic, by all means do that. I'm not saying that you cannot interfere with other people. If you've got a mundane, for example, and you think, well, that mundane needs some help, they're a mundane. They're essentially lower down the food chain, those muggles, aren't they? <laughs> They're not really capable of helping themselves a lot of the time. So you may want to do a little bit of magic. Maybe you've got a loved one and you think, oh, I'm going to help them. I'm going to fix that little problem for them using my magic or assist them with a recovery or something like that. You know, might do a bit of healing magic for that. It's a little bit different if you take another magical practitioner. Because if you take another magical practitioner, what that is, from my perspective, is interfucking in someone else's business that you have no business interfering in. Mundanes haven't got a lot of magical business. They're oblivious to most of it. Yes, they may feel the impacts, but they're not empowered enough to do anything about it. Magical practitioners, on the other hand, are. So I consider it to be poor etiquette and extremely rude for people to go interfering with other magical practitioners, unless it's in a nasty way. Which brings I'm, me on to a very important point, which Christian I'm might want to say, say what you was going to say before I go off on a <clears throat> ramble. I would still say it's bad form to mm. even be helping somebody on a mundane level that hasn't asked for it. So I think there is an ethics there that someone has to deal with of whether or not you are the right person to be helping somebody without their permission. Um, and don't get me wrong, there are lots of ways that we can count permission mm. uh, and we can get back to that later. But obviously I still feel like if you're going to go meddle with someone's energy in a positive way, you need to know more about them. Like, Mm. On a, you know, you wouldn't expect a doctor to go running into um, a consultation room that isn't theirs and going, oh, you look like you'd got a bit of a limp. Um, I'm a doctor. Uh, I need to sort that limp. Um, here's some medication. I know nothing about you. I don't know your history. I don't know what meds you're already taking. And I don't know what other doctor you might be seeing. Mm. But... I see you with a bit of a limp, so I'm going to come sort out that limp for you. Um, so, you know what I mean? Like, to me, that's, I, that's what I'd you're doing. That further, actually, I'd say <laughs> if you are a plastic surgeon and you've got a client, you don't say to the client, ah, you're clearly here for a nose job. <laughs> you wait for the client to turn around and say, well, exactly. a little bit of tuck there. Because exactly. that 
a you might lose a client more than likely you might get some more business if they're going to a plastic surgeon because clearly they feel shit about themselves enough to spend a lot of money and undergo surgery so maybe that is some plastic surgeons will do that for extra money i don't know is that called surely <laughs> surely that's down that's down to salesman's te- technique isn't it when it mm. gets to oh well what we're just doing there you do realize i could also fix that while you're there too um that's that's different what um what i'm talking about is also you've got that added layer of this is potentially a friend or a friend of a friend and we, in which case you fuck that up they're gonna know it's you um or they're likely to find out that it's you that's kind of fucked up their life like do you know what i mean even if you were going out with good intentions what's that other saying uh the the road to ruin is paved with good intention I thought, yeah, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and on the way to hell, there's a little chef. Obviously, with a very poor hygiene rating. So all I'm of them have poor, poor IT, poor, poor ratings. So, yeah. So basically, to sum up, this that we're talking about magical practitioners and dabblers i'm more interested in dabblers because dabblers don't know what the fuck's going on they don't know what they're doing so they're dabbling they're the sort of people that do oh i'll open a spell but i can do a healing spell because we all know it's all about the intention if i send healing energy you know the sort of new age twats that say i'm gonna send this person healing energy and end up feeding their cancer so it doesn't go into remission those sorts of people yeah i'll throw fuel on the fire but it's all right because it's pretty sparkly fuel yes <laughs> in the sparkly. form of flammable christmas decorations <laughs> so suppose so far we've talked about the ethics and morality now i am one of those people that don't mind playing god in mundane lives and i will fuck about there might be someone that's really annoying me so i might not do nasty things to them i might make them you know get a better job or something like that or there might be a certain person with the first name the letter j who keeps going on and on about a certain condition i might maybe put it a little bit right or maybe make the pain a little less just so that she shuts the fuck up right that is selfish i agree that is selfish i shouldn't necessarily do that from an ethical perspective but fuck it i'm a witch what's the point in having a power if you don't fucking use it so i'm not saying that you should go out and do that but i'm saying to do that but when i do that i have an understanding that a the most important thing is to stop the bitch moaning so that's why i'm doing it i'm not doing it to help her i'm doing it to stop her moaning about her illness all the time the second thing is that I need to think I'm perfectly happy for it to go wrong. Okay, I am happy for it to go wrong. Third thing is I'm going to actually fucking think about what is there. I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to actually think about, you know, what do I know about the person? If I don't know this about the person, I'm going to go and find out whether that be in a mundane way or magically, psychically, whatever. And then I'm going to put together a little plan as to what I'm going to do. I'm not going to flip open a spell, but going to do some generic shit. Is going to be tailored is not going to be a case of well tic tacs kind of look like that thing daddy takes when he's not very well i know i'll just give her tic tacs <laughs> right so there's a whole nother uh issue when it comes to this and that i believe is psychology psychology you know that pseudoscience we love psychology so understanding and dealing with mental health is one of those things that i think gets so poorly diagnosed in professional and i mean that's people that went to university with letters after the name that did degrees in psychology and such they're so shit at diagnosing a lot of mental problems and helping people through them just ask anyone that's been to counseling that's come out the other end thinking i think i fucking wasted my time um that a lot of people doing the doctor google a lot of people that are thinking well that person's a little bit upset or that person's depressed or that person ultimately it comes down to that person is not behaving like i want them to behave they must be ill whether it be mentally or physically i now i'm gonna do some magic to fix them right 
which kind of goes like you were saying in specifically in terms of mental health about fixing people that goes into a rather gray area there both psychology and medicine has a very bad history when it comes to their ideas of who needs fixing and why <laughs> did you ever do conversion therapy in any of your lives chris and was it as kinky as it sounds He's gone silent. Um, it depends what you consider to be conversion therapy, I guess. Shit, he's triggered. Look, he's gone all quiet. Anyway, let's let's change the subject. So, getting involved with other people's business. It, the danger is that you're not understanding. Now, I did this wonderful blog post once. And I think mo most of it fell under deaf ears or fell on deaf ears or eyes, given there was a blog post and it was written. A lot of people I don't think understood it. OK, and uh, although it did add a little bit to my reputation at the time for being a bad boy. Right. That wasn't really what I was trying to get. at. I don't know if you read it or remember it. It was called Hex to Heal or something like that. It'll be in the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Facebook group. And in it, I was talking about if you want to learn magic, you want to master spell work and such like that. What you need to do is, A, you need to experiment. So you need some actual practice and experience under your belt before you take on a job that matters. That was what I was getting at. Because when you try something for the first, second, third time, chances are there's going to be, it's going to come out misshapen. Right. First time I did and tried knitting, it was shite. Right. I'm not going to lie. It was absolute shit. I made a poppet. It was a crap poppet. It wasn't going to learn it. It wasn't going to earn any any awards. Right. I'm a little bit better now. I've got some practice. But like with anything, practice makes perfect. Now, the danger is what I see with dabblers is, yes, some people dabble around to see what happens. That's experimentation. But the, some of the really dangerous dabblers are the superstitious uh traditional witchy and modern day wiccan and new ager types that think they know a little bit okay so the danger here is that they think well i'm not really going to do any magic but oh now suddenly i've got something that i really need done i need to pay rent by the end of the month so i need to do that magic money spell oh shit look it all went wrong because i've got no experience don't know what i'm doing so rather than kind of doing money spells when I didn't need the money, you know, to see how it works and get some experience in right, that, geez. I wait until it's basically the final draft night before you hand in, you know, the essay or whatever it is. I'm going to wait till the last minute and I'm going to do, do the work. I'm not going to learn or anything like that. This is what I'm seeing with some of these people where what the, what the blog post that I was writing, Hex to Hill, you are going to end up messing up spells for the first time when you first cast them they're not always going to work out perfect and when you're working on other people with particularly healing elements you are going to fuck that right up okay because healing is very dangerous it's why when it comes to doctors and that they spend a long time in medical school you know, a long time studying before they even get into medical school. And then after they've graduated and finished medical school, they spend a long time under the wing of other people, other actual doctors and stuff. Right. Same with nurses. And, you know, you can even say that for other people in many different professions. Right. Now, what we need to understand is hex to heal. Now, what that means and what I was getting across in the blog post was experimentation on people is ne necessary for you to understand when you're healing and working on people right so i say experiment and do your healing and experimentation stuff don't do it on someone you care about you know do it on the scraps i.e people that you don't care about so we normally get a list of people when we get mentees on and say write a list of three people you like write a list of three people that you can't stand don't mind if they die of some sort of bubonic plague or something like that you know and people do that. And the reason is, is when it's something a little bit more dangerous and could potentially go wrong, we get them to experiment, whether it's a nice spell or a nasty spell, on the person that don't fucking matter, knowing that there's potential for things to go wrong. What we don't do is we don't say, oh, yes, healing spell. 
you know you've got that person that's got that really serious fucking medical condition and a load of issues mental health wise because of that medical condition i know we'll do one spell and you've never done this spell before nor, nor do you really understand how spells work and we'll get you to fix it right because chances are something's gonna fucking go wrong and if it don't go wrong the only reason for that, generally speaking, is because you weren't magical enough to do any fucking thing in the first place. Most of the time, complete beginners aren't able to make a decent manifestation at all. They're not able to do anything. Okay. Then we have people that can do something. A lot of the time the spell works out not quite as they intended, not quite as they wanted. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then we have the few people that actually do get it right first time and everything works out wonderful. But guess what? Statistically, you're probably not going to be one of those people. So logic dictates that you practice spells. So let's think about this. If you've got a dabbler, someone that isn't well versed in magic, doesn't have a huge amount of experience, doesn't really understand what's going on, and they've got someone that they've taken an interest in, that they think has physical, mental, social, whatever issues, and they decide to go and tamper with that person. And by the way, that person that they're tampering is a magical practitioner. Then several things are going to happen. One, potentially everything goes hunky-dory and it all works wonderfully. Chances are it's not going to fucking happen, but who knows, it might. Second thing, you might end up making the situation worse because you're dabbling and messing with magic when another magical practitioner may be undergoing some kind of ritualistic work on themselves, okay, which you may be getting in the way of. It's potentially not going to be very good, not good results. So you're basically interfering with someone else's experiment at that point, okay? Third thing is that what gives you the right to do it? Now, you know us magical practitioner witches magicians all that you know sat on the throne master in the circle microcosm to the great macrocosm all that shite right we think we're the real deal and good shit our will bends the universe we bend the universe to our will yeah that's understandable and that's fine but understand that you are doing that understand that you, you are taking another bite saying that you're going to help and perform magic to assist another practitioner without their permission, you are asserting yourself as dominance over them, okay, and interfering with their life, their path, all of these various things. And I'm not saying you cannot do that. I'm saying that be aware that that is what you are doing. So there we go. We've got about two minutes left of the regular podcast. Is there anything you want to say before we go over to the Patreon and I can really say what I think? Well, the only thing that kind of springs to mind, just going on that kind of practice makes perfect, um, and the hex to heal, I quite like that process. The main reason being um, I use it in craft. So for me, taking something apart, you learn far more about it, how somebody else who's technically should be more skilled than you mm. built that thing in the first place. So... I quite like taking things apart in order to learn about about them before I go and attempt something of my own. Um, what we will often do, and I'm from a magical point of view, is ask someone to deconstruct somebody else's spellcraft. So, and I don't mean going in and tampering, um, because it's quite clearly this episode is about not doing that. The uh, what we're talking about is going and looking at somebody else's spell work and deconstructing it and telling us how it worked so and that might be a ritual i know the um um the the lbrp is a favorite of yours liam for, for that process um of actually kind of breaking something down that is long established and explain exactly how it works actually what it is and how it works <coughs> yeah. so that's it for the regular edition of the no holds bar witchcraft podcast get on the patreon
which we're of course now on the Patreon. So there's a little story, a micro mini story that I want to share, which kind of illustrates this this point to a certain extent. Now there's a witch. Now we're coming close to the end of pretty much COVID times now, right? And there are several magical practitioners that over the past couple of years have actually caught COVID. But I know we're suffering with it and various other things. There are one or two people that were very close to death. And one person, in fact, actually did die, needed to be resuscitated. Now, if it was a mundane person, I'd be inclined to think, do I want this person to die or do I want this person to get better? Do I want to assist them? Because they're probably not able to assist themselves. They're undergoing medical treatment and stuff. The medical treatment may or may not be working. I may want to do something magically for that person. But it's going to come from somewhere selfish. It's going to come from me saying, actually, I quite like that person in my life. I don't want them to suffer and die. So I am deciding to interfere with that. Now, I don't do that with magical practitioners. The reason I don't do that with magical practitioners is because it's kind of like when you're dealing with a magical practitioner, you should be dealing with a grown-up. When you deal with children, they're not really fully capable of understanding and making serious big life decisions. That's why we have things like, you know, you have to be 18 years of age to do certain things, you know, in this country at least. Now, when it comes to magical practice, those that are truly on a magical path, I tend to treat a little bit more like adults. So I, I am less inclined to get involved with their work and stuff, unless it's like someone that I dislike, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but if it's someone that I do like, I'm not gonna get involved because I respect them and their path too much, okay? So where it comes to people that were suffering, and certain people that were very, very close to death and stuff during COVID. Although I know that this is a pandemic and I know that there is a, you know, a virus and all of that that's doing this, I don't decide to go and do magic on them because the reason is, is because they're aware magic exists. They're aware of me. If they want assistance from me, they can ask for help. If they are out of their depth, they can ask me for help and we can have a discussion on it. Now, if I, and this is a true case, if I was to interfere with a certain witch, that witch, yes, that witch may have died. In fact, they had to be resuscitated and such, but they've gone through a process and there was magic involved with a process, okay? And I would be thinking, oh, don't want this person to die, I'm gonna get involved, I'm gonna meddle about with this. That person maybe is supposed to be fucking dead for a minute, right? Did you, do you not understand that, dabblers? Maybe, maybe that is what the witch wanted. Maybe that is not what the witch wanted, but it's a part of their path. Maybe it's fucking important. So understand that when you interfere with another magical practitioner's person, it is not like, okay, a child has managed to grab the car keys and is in a car and doesn't know how to drive, okay? What you are doing is while someone is on the motorway or is driving along, you are in the passenger seat and not doing what we do, Chris, when we mentor people, we say, maybe we're backseat drivers, we say, maybe you're going left, it's quicker to go left, do that because they've asked us to be backseat drivers, they've asked us for our opinion, that's why we're in the passenger seat. What we don't do is go grab the steering wheel, say, oh, I'm going this way, we're going that way, right? It doesn't happen because they're someone in the driver's seat of their own life, their own magical path, okay? Now, yes, we will occasionally, and I have occasionally in the past, grabbed the steering wheel from another practitioner, but only because I'm also in the fucking car and I'd end up getting fucked up, right? What I don't do is if they're the only person that's in the car or if they're the only person that that decision affects, like it doesn't affect me or whatever institution, organization and such that I may be part of, 
I would, you know, I'm not going to interfere. I would only interfere if it's important and has a big impact on others that I give a shit about. This is what you dabblers that are doing the healing, because Chris, I'm going to say something controversial. I know you're shocked. You? Yeah, me, controversial. The people that fuck people up the most are the ones that are always trying to fucking help. These new age love and lighters, do you know what? They're the ones that cause most of the fucking damage. Because the difference is, is that one out witch uh, uses black magic. When a magical practitioner uses baneful, evil, maleficent magic, they go there and they know they want to cause damage. They know where they want to fuck them up. They know how they want to fuck them up. It's very clear, compact magic that's very back, fully able to understand. It's very cohesive. Okay. It is literally like, why the fuck don't my computer monitor work? Look, oh, look, the cables come out the back. Okay. What it is with the new age fucking idiot is the healing. I just want to do good. I just want to do this. I'm going to do this. It's like, I've got a spanner and spanners fix things. I'll throw the spanner because I'm too scared to look in the machine and what the fuck's going wrong. <laughs> and then you hear an empty grinding sound. Everything comes to a halt. Smoke bellows out. And there's an explosion. And everyone fucking dies, right? Dabblerus. They cause so much fucking shit. And guess what? Some of the people that have to fix this shit happen to be the ones that talk regularly on this podcast i.e me and chris who do you think people go to when they got a magical issue it's the professionals isn't it and do you know what i get so fucking tired of dealing with the same old shit day in and day out of fucking idiots interfering with other people and doing magic on other people that interferes with their past thinking that they know better when they don't leave them fucking alone it's none of your fucking business you have no fucking clue what you're talking about and that's fine if you have no clue go and do some experiments but please do not start doing experiments and magical work on other people when you yourself have not even got the smallest inkling of how spells even fucking work you say some stuff now, Chris. But you, it's, it's so enjoyable to watch you rant. I can do another one if you like. I know you can quite easily do another one. Um, yeah, I think what's... To give that kind of less ranty version, um, there is that aspect of, you know, taking care of your own and making sure... <laughs> that your house is in order before you start messing with other people's. Mm. Um, I think ultimately what we're saying is it comes down to quite simply, if, (laughs) if you feel there is something you can do to help someone, by all means, offer. But don't go messing with people's lives in a so called positive way until you're certain that that is actually a positive way. And you certainly don't do the first spell you ever do is a general healing spell in anyone's direction. Uh. Um, at the end of the day, I, we've said it on multiple podcasts that we've done and other videos that we've done before. Healing is by far one of the most complicated spell workings you will ever learn. It is not a simple, yes, this does that, no, that does this. Like, you will never find... <laughs> you will never find two herbals that ever say the same fucking thing. The reason being is that there is there are so many complications to consider. No two bodies are the same. Now, you think how much time... A, you know, to bring that up again, you think how much time a doctor studies before they're allowed to actually work with patients Mm. um and they only have to deal with one body um if not two if you're lucky um or you go to one of those shrinks down the road who isn't really a doctor and has actually specialized purely on one body again it's just a different one um you know we're talking about partitions of the soul here but you're having and his needles 
you having to deal with the energetic bodies, all of them, not just the one that you are capable of seeing. Um, they're all connected and therefore have shared impact. Now, a magical practitioner is usually more than capable of dealing with attacks and such. So if it's a low-level dabbler, I suppose most people will be thinking, well, if it's a dabbler, that mag that magician, that witch, whatever, can, can deal with that, okay? This is what people need to understand, because if you don't understand this, it'll be because you've never been on a seriously deep magical path before, okay? Imagine you have someone that is extremely fucking strong, okay? Uh, world champion strength athlete, right? Okay, imagine you're doing that. Imagine they're doing a massive squat with hundreds and hundreds of kilograms on their back. They're a very strong person. They're capable of dealing with a lot. Now imagine you get some fucking idiot that stands in front of them and tweaks them on the nose. Do you think that that is potentially fucking dangerous? Because yes, your magical practice as a dabbler, your magic, your spells are probably that weak. But what they are also is interfering and annoying. A tweak on the nose is potentially dangerous thing to do with some massive strength athlete that doesn't have hundreds of kilos on them because they probably might knock you out or pick you up and break you in half. But when they're undergoing a massive fucking challenge, when they're undergoing some kind of thing, that is what you are completely incapable of understanding because this is what dabblers don't understand is a very famous um well in certain magical circles and groups and such there's this thing is this saying called uh, a magician can have no greater love than their work what that to a certain extent means is that if you go on a serious magical path you are taking on such a burden and so much stress, so much weight, so much that it will interfere and spill over to your everyday life. You will literally have pain, physical pain, emotional pain. You'll be fucking hurting. You'll be going through hell, okay? Trying to tackle some of these massive obstacles, not the little dabbly obstacles of trying to make a money spell work for the first time, but actual serious massive obstacles, much like that uh, power athlete that's got all of those massive weight on their back. They are trying to set a personal best, right? They are trying to do something they've never fucking done before, okay? That takes all of their focus, all of their strength, mental fortitude, everything to do it. And you come along and you think, person seems to be straining a lot. I know I'll caress their face whilst they're doing that. There, 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 there. I'm pretty sure that if they crumble, chances are they may also take you with them but at the very least they probably might end up breaking their fucking back okay this is what people don't understand when you look at another magical practitioner you probably most people don't have the discernment and those that are capable of discerning and do have the psychic ability to in order to do that it does require some actual fucking effort to look and think about what is this person doing? Is they are they okay? Are they okay? I get messages about various people that they see in the witchcraft live groups and that. Oh, this person don't seem right. That person don't seem right. Have you heard from this person? I haven't heard from that person for ages. I'm like none of your fucking business. Fuck off, right? Because it's not my business unless it's made my business by them, or they do something naughty and it comes back on me, of course. But is oh, it's just stupidity understand this that when people are on a magical path okay serious magical path they're really grinding right that is like someone with a massive fucking weight on their back really trying to do something i know i'm using pt references again but i think it makes the most sense because people can visualize that okay and what you're doing is although your magic may be weak and although you may not fully under you know appreciate what you're doing it can be annoying and it can it can set people off because they need to hold their shit together serious paths are serious that's why we call them serious paths they they require at times great sacrifice great strength 
in order to overcome things that will break you as a fucking person, both mentally, physically, magically, energetically, all of these things. And that has an effect on everyday life. Okay, that spills out to everyday life. Most magical practitioners that have ever, most magical practitioners that have ever amounted to much have had to deal with a lot of shit. Okay, both magical shit and mundane shit because one spills into the other and affects the other. I know dabblers and beginners may not understand that, although I can understand that the beginner may actually think that. The beginner may actually think, well, actually, I'm a bit worried about this. I'm a bit worried about doing that because I see, because I thought about it. This could potentially go fucking wrong, couldn't it? But the dabbler doesn't. They don't stop. They don't stop to think. They don't do nothing but think, oh, I think I'll give this a little bit of go and the next week I'll give something else another go. And, oh, fucking hell. As my next friend over. <laughs> The bit I was going to try and give you as an alternative to that one, which, oh. uh, but I can't quite polish the analogy quite right. Little Timmy, so, I love when we bring little Timmy into it. Yeah, so I was thinking kind of little Timmy of, you know, you're you're all worked up, you're working really hard, it's been a stressful week. You then go over and give little Timmy a cuddle. Um, little Timmy has got a bit of a snivel that you didn't really think anything of because. I've had loads of snivels, right? Um, and then next minute, you know, you're, um, you know, coughing your ass up um, because little Timmy, unbeknownst to you, has been playing with little Johnny and little Johnny has got something vile. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of knowing about how what's something that seems innocuous to you mm. If someone is not aware, um, and that's the thing, those are the ones that normally get people are the simple things, which is, you know, why we constantly talk about the best way to topple a bridge is to take a really, really small piece out. Um, just take the right one and you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll make the entire bridge fall out. Um, and that's how we talk about incognito casting where you oh. send something in that looks like something nice so that the host accepts it um again going for that kind of virusy kind of feel um in those kind of autoimmune responses of where the body suddenly thinks oh that was a good thing it, it was shaped like a good thing so i took it in and i used it um, then found out that it was a mega virus and it's taken me down. Some one of the biggest dangers, I think, or one I wouldn't say it's a danger, but one of the things that comes up the most, I think, with this issue would be with solitary practitioners. Because when you've got a working group or a coven, you know, magical family, magical uh, organization, whatever, there there's a group of people that kind of understand what's going on, what the person's going through, and know a little bit or enough to be able to be asked to jump in. Okay, so the practitioner themselves, if they're in trouble, can ask them because they know them and trust them. But also the group will probably know a lot about the practitioner and know when it may be appropriate to step in or offer a hand, right? With a solitary practitioner, their path is much that they're keeping it all very much secret to themselves. So it's very difficult to understand, because you don't know enough about the person practicing that, when you should intervene and when you shouldn't intervene or offer to intervene. Because there's a lot about the psychology, because we're all individuals and some people like helpful, some people don't. Some people will react badly, some people won't. Um, but then also in terms of the level of understanding of the path. Nature of the solitary practitioner is generally that your path isn't shared with anyone. Therefore, there isn't going to be that many people that already have a go-to simple way of understanding and seeing your path and what's going on with you for what it is. It's very difficult. Um, and that is the one thing that is not discussed by a lot of the books and that is that 
the strain that it takes on a practitioner to push themselves, to truly push themselves, and the considerable amount of danger, that how thin that safety mechanism, safety mechanism is from our psychological perspective. Because when you're under considerable amount of magical strain, maybe you're trying to control wield power and forces that you're really struggling to contain. Maybe you're trying to hold back various spirits and the like from taking over your body during a malfunctioning fucking ritual, right? Something like that. Imagine having that annoying little flit, annoying little person, little Timmy or Karen or whatever the fuck we're going to call the magical practitioner in question. It may not be, and I have seen this and I have done this myself, not giving too much away, that I've struggled so much to deal with what I'm doing. I'm trying to accomplish something really big. And this fucking thing comes along at the corner of my eye and really annoys me. I was trying to do something and I lose it. I don't lose it from a magical perspective. What I do from the powerlifting equivalent is think, fuck it. I'm not putting the weight down. I'm going to lift it and put it on their head and crush them because they fucking piss me off. And when I'm really struggling to do something or when it's hot or when I am had enough to eat, I get very angry, Chris. (laughs) And when someone gets angry, when they're in a position of wielding a considerable amount of power and some fucking little twat comes along, right? It can spell also danger for the annoying little midget that comes along the midge that comes along uh annoying little fly gets squatted okay so that is also a potential danger that you could annoy someone that is at the brink of fucking struggling to keep it together now we do have a podcast coming up that we're going to go more into the psychology of medical practitioners and the length that some people go to and such, which I think we're calling Dr. Google, because we're looking at it from, it's going to complement this episode, I think, but we're looking at it from the outside, but we're also looking at it from the inside as being a practitioner, because we've all gone through things, you know, for your magical career, you go through phases of taking on great burden, which is the nature of magic, you know, things that you're not comfortable, you have to think, I'm not too sure how I'm going to play this, I don't know how I feel about this, I don't know if I want to take this mantle on, I don't know if I want to hold that power, I don't know if I want to be a seat for this, you know, and it's difficult, you know, and again, the magical community, although it seems very big with billions of people on the TikTok following witch talk and all of that, actually the practitioners they're any good and have any experience. There's a very small amount of people in the world, realistically. And it's a very lonely and sad place sometimes, or at least a very lonely place. You don't feel like you can relate because you certainly can't relate to the muggles, mundanes, whatever. So we want to know that we respect people that understand this that we're talking about today. And there we go. That's all I really wanted to say. So Dabbler, stop performing magic on other magical practitioners without offering some assistance first and being asked. Okay, you're a fucking idiot if you do that. And I wouldn't have so much of a problem if some magical practitioner that was dim-witted enough to go and try and help another magical practitioner that didn't need the help ended up getting smited. But what I would dislike is if you were a dabbler and you did decide to interfere with someone else's path and that person didn't do that lift, they didn't complete that training or that quest or whatever it is, because you fucking got in the way, then, yeah, I I personally would struggle to maintain my position and stop myself from uh, going and smiting you and taking my acro out. But I can be a very angry person sometimes. You may have noticed. Any final thoughts, Chris? You got five minutes. Um, well, my voice really didn't work then. Um, I've been trying to help with doing a lot more talking. That's why I thought a ranty episode might be good because I knew yeah, it's still recovering from the laryngitis. But I, I hope the the mouthwash and all of that herbal stuff you've been doing is. Uh, I've only helped. just received it. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, 
I've I've had to rely on um, good old honey uh, oh. majority of the time. Good old honey and lemon um, doing their best to look after me. Um, I do feel like I've had so much honey in the last two weeks that I should probably receive a cease and desist order oh. from the local bees, to be quite honest. But oh. um, but that's just because, yeah, the shit quantity I've put through my body lately. Um, in terms of dabblers, I think the, the take home they should be taking, because they'll be listening to all this and they'll be, oh, oh, maybe I shouldn't cast that spell, which, you know, would be a benefit in some way, shapes or form. But a big part of what we're trying to say is pick your spells and fucking practice them. Like, actually practice. You know, the whole point of Witch Wars, for example, is exactly that. It's to give you innocuous targets to actually practice on um you know i'm sick i'm you know over the last few years i am sick of hearing oh well i don't really have anything i want or i don't really have anything to try that on and you're like well pick a target go try it um because if you don't try these things how are you ever supposed to get good at them i just it baffles me yeah, the takeaway from me is what I'm saying is by all means perform magic on other people. By all means perform occult and magical experiments. If you're going to perform magic on another witch and it's not baneful, evil, Melissa, if you're not trying to fuck them up and you're trying to help them, get that witch's input, okay? Because yes... They may turn around. They may not be the sort that asks for help. But if you want to help, then you can ask them and say, how can I assist? Not how can I fix you? How can I fix the situation? Is would you like assistance? What can I do? Okay. It's as simple as that, ultimately. So hopefully some that will have dawned on some people. Hopefully it hasn't just been a massive ramble and people have thought this worthwhile to think about. And yes, the life of a magical practitioner, you've got to grind, it's difficult. And we don't always look our best. We may seem and sound powerful and like, you know, you can wave your hand and magic shit happens and that. But it takes a lot of grinding to get that ability. And we don't always look our best when we are doing that grinding, right? Those muscles look good at the beach, but you look pretty fucked when you're sweating, huffing and puffing on a fucking treadmill and that in the gym. Don't look so pretty then, you know? Same with magical practitioners. The person that can do a lot of these practices and rituals and spells and stuff is because they've grinded and they've done it and really tried and fucked it up a number of times before that they only make it look easy because they've mastered it and you don't master something necessarily by just doing it for the first time because things build maybe if you've been doing knitting for a long time you can knit a pattern that you've never knitted before but remember that's fucking different isn't it what the dabblers are doing normally is that dabbling, oh, I'll try a little bit of this, I'll try a little bit of that, and not retaining a lot of the information, not seeing the links that people get. They're the ones that just, oh, I've got this uh, Titiana spell, I'll do another Titiana spell, I'll do another one. Oh, it didn't quite work out, or oh, nothing happens, or oh, I put that crystal in my husband's sock drawer, and he cheated on me anyway. Well, guess what? Partly your fault. <laughs> right, that's it. Thank you for listening to the No Holes Bar Witchcraft podcast. Hopefully it was entertaining, maybe even useful or informative. I've got literally, we've got, it's got to be an hour long on it, so I've got like 30 seconds left. So what else can I say, Chris? 30 seconds. Well, the, only, the only part that I really wanted to get in there really quickly um, was that People are focusing probably on the fact they go, oh, well, I've never done a love spell before. Um, mm. So you're talking about that. I'm like, 
I'm categorizing them as this is the first time I've done work with puppets or this is the first time I've done planetary magic or this is the first time like actual breaking that down. So to use Liam's knitting analogy, it might be the first time I've made a jumper. I know how to knit, but it might be the first jumper I've ever done. Like actually understanding the difference between where you're going to likely need to put energy and effort and those that you kind of like, actually, I've done this a few times now. I feel quite confident about it. Well, that's it. Goodbye and good luck to you dabblers. Is that right? 